One, two, three. And we are live. <laughs> Coming back at you, baby. Ah, uh, there's the L. There it is. <laughs> That's not an L for loser, it's an L for live. It's hard to get this backwards, it really is. I was having some well, challenges. Well, no, it's only, you're the, only you that's backwards. Everyone's seeing you normal. Well, whatever it is I see on screen, now I'm seeing an L. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're live. Justin, do you want to go ahead and get us started into... Genesis 30, verse 1. Let's do Get it. it so, all right. Now, when Rachel saw that she had not borne Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. And she said to Jacob, give me children or else I am going to die. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel. And he said, am I in the place of God or who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, here is my female slave, Bilhah. Have relations with her that she may give birth on my knees, so that by her I too may obtain a child. So she gave him her slave Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob had relations with her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me, and has indeed heard my voice, and has given me a son. Therefore she named him Dan. And Rachel's slave Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestling, I have wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed. And she named him Nephtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her slave Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's slave Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad. And Leah's slave Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, happy am I, for women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Henry, what are your thoughts on these, this first section of verses? Well, to summarize about what happened last chapter, um, the, end of, the end of the last chapter, we find that Jacob marries both Leah and Rachel. And Jacob is actually tricked into marrying Leah and ultimately deceived by Laban, who is Leah and Rachel's father. And so now Jacob has two wives and they both happen to be sisters. And there's some challenges with that because instead of devoting your love towards a single wife you essentially now are responsible for loving two wives and unfortunately jacob is following some of the same patterns as his parents isaac and rebecca both isaac and rebecca his parents both showed favoritism towards their sons and now jacob is kind of following in that family line of showing favoritism with that being said, Leah, when Jacob married Leah, Leah was unloved by her husband Jacob. Leah was unloved by her husband Jacob. And the Lord saw this 
and blessed Leah by opening up her womb and giving her children by Jacob. And so at this point, Leah has four sons and Rachel, who is getting loved by Jacob, has zero sons. So we have some challenges that we start to see arise here. Um, and ultimately what what is happening is there's some jealousy, which is bound to happen, especially with the importance placed on descendants during this time. Um, whether there whether that was the case or not, right? You, you got you're married to two sisters, and so there's likely to be jealousy one way or another. <laughs> You know, but especially with regards to the one sister having a lot of children by Jacob and one sister not, Rachel really wants to be a mother. That's really, really important to her. And so she is not excited about that right now. In fact, Rachel gets pretty angry at this. She starts getting pretty upset, which also helps let us know how important this was to Rachel. And this is not, um, the fact that Rachel is not able to conceive, this is, this is not a problem that we're new to as we've been reading through Genesis. Abraham and Sarah had challenges. Isaac and Rebecca had challenges conceiving. And so this is, this is not a problem, this is not a challenge that we're really new, new here and because this every single every single couple really 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 wanted to have children um and abraham and sarah particularly they in order to have children they used a surrogate mother hagar and ultimately ultimately to accomplish that and now we see rachel falling in line and following that exact same example and as we, you know, I'm not sure if Rachel, Rachel heard the story of Abraham and Sarah, but with Abraham and Sarah, that wasn't exactly the best route and tactic to go down. That ended up causing a lot of challenges. And so this is the same path that Rachel decides to go down herself. Justin. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, we see here that, that Rachel was desperate to have children, as, as Henry said. And so in that culture, it was very shameful um, to not have children. And so we see here in verse 3, she gave her, Jacob, her husband, um, her, her uh, servant as, as a wife in order to have a child for him. And so the, this phrase, on my knees, symbolized that the wife provided a child for her husband through a surrogate mother. Um, so that's what that phrase means. And then um, we see here that the children's names have meanings um, that are behind the, the wives' experiences, right? So it, as it says in the text, it talks about how um, either Leah or Rachel named the child this because of the emotional experience or their, their response um, and, and how they were feeling and what was going on in the situation. Um, and then we see that, so Rachel could, hadn't had any kids up to this point. So she gave Jacob, like I said, her husband, 
her servant to as a wife to have kids for her and then now leah decided to do the same thing that rachel did so there's this um these two sisters are struggling and kind of competing with each other uh, uh within this marriage to try to have more and more kids for their husband yeah i mean if not only do you you find it in two places verse one Rachel saw that she had not borne Jacob any children. She became jealous of her sister. You see it there of uh, how jealous Rachel is um, in verse eight. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestling, I've wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed. So it's, I mean, this is a big time competition. Uh, so it seems between the two of them. <laughs> so, so much so, like you said, <laughs> Leah then gives her slave because at this point, Leah had stopped having children. It says that at the end of chapter 29. For the time being. For the she's, time being, that is. She's going to pop some more out later. That's right. All right. Verse 14. Now in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrake fruits in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter for you to take my husband? And would you take my son's mandrakes also? So Rachel said, therefore, he may sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came in from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must have relations with me, for I have indeed hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my reward because I gave my slave to my husband. So she named him Issachar. And Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Finally, my husband will acknowledge me as his wife because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Afterward, she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dinah. Verse 22, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. And she named him Joseph saying, May the Lord give me another son. Okay. So um, at this point uh, in this section of verses, it appears that Jacob has been married to uh, the two sisters for around six years. So Reuben, um, Leah's son here, is probably around five years old. And so he was the one picking the, the mandrakes, which is a plant. And so mandrakes are believed to be an aphrodisiac. But in the ancient times, they were believed to help with fertility. Um, so we see that uh, Leah continues to feel unloved, um, even after, after all the kids. And um, Jacob did have other daughters um, other, than, other than Dinah, uh, it's believed. But, but Dinah is specifically listed here 
because she plays a role later on in the in the story and the narrative uh, in, Ge in Genesis chapter 34. And so we see, though, finally, um, despite what the despite Rachel taking the mandrakes, we see that God is the one who caused Rachel to, to get pregnant uh, by opening her womb. It seems to me that in verse 18, I find this particularly interesting. And this is a question that I have for you, Justin. Um, then Leah said, God has given me my reward because I gave my slave to my husband. So she named him Issachar. Do you, do you believe this is what Leah believed in her head? Or do you think this actually to be true? That God was blessing Leah for this, for what she did? Or was it for some other um, unknown reason? So I, I believe that this is what's in Leah. This is Leah's perspective. Um, and I believe that all the, like I said earlier, I think all the children's names are what the wives are feeling are attached to the wives' emotional response to the experience that, experiences that they're having. So um, Leah said, God has given me my reward because I gave my slave to my husband. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I believe that this is Leah's uh, emotional response because Leah, because Leah feels so blessed, um, I guess, in the sense that she's now provided more, she's provided significantly more sons, or she's had significantly more sons than her sister Rachel, um, counting Leah herself and then also um, Leah's slave. Um, and so, I think that she she sees. Here's what I'm saying: like you know, I think children are are a blessing, right? And and it makes sense for parents to thank God for their children. Um, and so I think it's difficult though to attach it sometimes to maybe a reward or something like that for this with the specificity that Leah gives here. Yeah, I would, I would say that I think there's a difference between, because Genesis is a historical account, just because Leah attributed a blessing from God due to one of her actions, that wasn't necessarily the case. And I think her statement here doesn't say that the Lord blessed Leah with another child because she gave her slave to Jacob to have more children. That's not what it says here. It specifically says, then Leah said, God has given me my reward because I gave my slave to my husband. This is her thought. This is in stark contrast to what verse 31 of chapter 29. Chapter 29, 31 says, Now the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was unable to have children. It specifically says that the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb. There seems to be a, a connection there, and it specifically brings in the reason, the, the it specifically it's not, it's not someone thinking that the Lord was blessing him for this. It seems to indicate that God was blessing Leah because she was unloved. 
and it specifically says that. So I would just, you know, there's all types of, you know, statements in the Bible by different individuals that believe they're being blessed for this or that or whatever else. And um, the Bible, God doesn't condone every action by every person in the Bible, obviously, you know. So people can make mistakes. They can say the wrong thing because it's a historical account. Just like you and me could say the wrong thing and make mistakes. If this is a historical account, that would be written down into a, a book of our lives, I suppose. And it doesn't mean that it was necessarily right or wrong. So anyway, just a comment there because I think that can be a bit confusing. It was a bit confusing for me my first time reading through the Bible that this whole idea of a historical count versus God putting a stamp of, a, of, a, of on approval on every single thing that everyone says and does in the Bible, if they're part of the special lineage through Jesus, etc. So that might that might all go without saying, but I think it's a good good to know. Okay, verse twenty-five. Verse twenty-five. Now it came about when Rachel had given birth to Joseph that Jacob said to Laban. Send me away so that I may go down to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you yourself know my service, which I have rendered you. But Laban said to him, if it pleases you at all, stay with me. I have determined by divination that the Lord has blessed me on your account. He continued, name me your wages and I will give them. But Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock have fared with me. For you, have, for you had little before I came, and as it has increased to a multitude, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again pasture and keep your flock. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing there every speckled or spotted sheep and every black sheep among the lambs and the spotted or speckled among the goats, and those shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. Every one that is not speckled or spotted among the goats or black among the lambs, if found with me, will be considered stolen. Laban said, good. Let it be according to your word. So he removed on that day the striped or spotted male goats and all the speckled or spotted female goats, every one with white on it and all the black ones among the sheep and put them in the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. What are your thoughts on this section, Henry? Well... Laban seems to be a, a businessman to me. I mean, he seems to be a, a wheeler and dealer. Um, and I also think he's smart enough to realize that a lot of the blessings, that uh, a lot of his growth and wealth has come through uh, Jacob's presence. Uh, it seems very obvious to him. I will say... <laughs> that verse 27 Laban said to him if it pleases you at all stay with me I have determined by divination 
that the, that the Lord has blessed me on your account. To me, it sounds like Laban was into some darker sorcery type things that he shouldn't have been a part of, at least through divination, right? He was engaging in some activities that he shouldn't have. Justin, what do you think? So the word divination um, typically does uh, ring like that to me as well. Based on what I read, it appears more that this means by experience. Um, I don't know. Based on what I read, there doesn't seem to be any actual um, supernatural communication, anything like that. Where, where the word divination usually appears, that is what it signifies. But here it appears that when it says divination, here it just means experience based on my reading. Fair enough. So um, maybe he wasn't into anything dark, but that word did stick out to me because there's definitely other areas in the Bible that is divinations, not something you should engage in. Right. So stay away yeah. from all type of. Yeah, I agree. Like other, other, other places in our Bibles, when it translate divination in English, it is directly talking about demonic uh, communication and behavior and things like that. I agree. Right. So maybe we give Laban a pass here. We don't know for certain. Um, but Justin... I'll, he was I'll a jerk, but maybe he wasn't hanging out with demons. That's, we know. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Regardless, I think it's clear to him that Jacob, Jacob's presence in his life is a good thing and not a bad thing. And he starts negotiating to figure out how that Laban and Jacob can continue their relationship. And Jacob can continue making Laban more wealthy. And successful and so he starts negotiating with them for wages and at this point I think Jacob starts to he's probably had plans for a long time my guess you know we don't know and it doesn't say it in the text but you know Jacob was a human just like all of us and so he likely had plans for his life he probably didn't just wake up one day making a decision you know he probably was thinking hey at some point how how can I get back to the land in which my family was in, or at least specifically to the land that God promised him where he slept on those rocks that one night. And so use rocks as pillows. And so I think Jacob's ultimately remembering this. And so there really is no amount of wages. I mean, there's no negotiation here. I don't see any negotiation. I just, there's no amount of wages that Jacob will ultimately stick around for. Uh, it sounds like he's just kind of looking for a farewell gift or a farewell compensation for all of his hard work on top of the wives that he received. Rachel Leah for his 14 years of hard work. Yeah, so we see here the 14 years of Jacob's labor is now concluded. And um, like you said, Henry uh, Laban can tell that, hey, his, he is prospered because of what Jacob has done in taking care of his flocks. And so uh, Laban didn't want Jacob to leave, even though Jacob wanted to return to his homeland. And so he wanted to negotiate with him to, to try to stay um, Here's what I think. I think that 
obviously we know LeBron's position. He wants Jacob to stay. I think instead of Jacob just leaving, because Jacob at this point doesn't have anything, right? He's just been taking care of, of LeBron's flock. I think Jacob, because of his faith in God and because of just the evidence of, of how God has blessed Jacob, I think Jacob know, has confidence that God is going to bless Jacob, even if he asks for a small, very small wages. And I think that maybe, um, you know, I like how you start out by saying like Laban is maybe a sketchy businessman, right? I mean, that, that, that's how Laban comes off to me. So I think in this, I think Laban has outwitted, you know, uh, the, the original deceiver, but I think Jacob maybe sees this last effort to like, you know, show like outwit Laban. And so that's what I think happens here. So Jacob asked him Laban for his multicolored animals, which would have been very rare. Right. And so Jacob knows that even though if you pick a, just a few animals that God can grow that flock. And, and, and Laban agrees just by the sense of like, wait, his wages are just these barely rare few animals that I have. Yeah. Why wouldn't I do it? And so uh, Laban feels like he's getting the great end of the deal. And, and Jacob feels like God can, can take this and at least Jacob can, you know, return to his homeland with, uh, some some wealth of his own wealth meaning the the property of of the cattle and, and those things and so because um, it's clear that God's the one responsible here uh, a blessing Jacob and so we see how Laban continues to be a schemer so Laban immediately tries to give uh, a a lot or maybe all of his multicolored animals to his sons and then he puts a three distance journey between him and Jacob. So he agrees, he agrees to give Jacob the multicolored animals, but then what he does is he goes and tries to give them to his sons and tries to put a distance. So it's even harder for Jacob to even get the pay out of it that they agreed upon. Right. I mean, there is a negotiation. Jacob is specifically saying, listen, I have nothing to provide for my family, I've been working to you. For, I mean, the way I see it, he's, he's thinking, I've been working for you for the last 14 years just for these two women. And now I have nothing. And now this is like year 14. He's going into year 15. He wants to actually start getting something so he can provide for his family. I think Laban totally understands that. And he thinks he's going to get wealthy as well. He Laban believes this is a good deal for him. And I think Jacob, who has spent the last 14 years learning about the breeding of these animals, knows that he's going to come out on top in this situation, which we'll, we'll read about in a little bit more in a second. But verse 33, I find it particularly interesting. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. I don't know. I just find that particularly. I'm not trying to like read every little thing into this text. But to me, it's, it's, it's bringing up, is it bringing up something that doesn't really need to bring, need to be brought up because he has the intention of doing something unethical. Maybe an example would be, you know, if I said, you know, Justin, you let me borrow some money. I said, dude, 
I'll pay you back. You don't have anything to worry about. I'm going to pay you back. And you said, okay. Just just trust me. My honesty will ultimately account for this paying you back or whatever. Like maybe it's going overboard. Maybe it's bringing something that's that's not necessary. Another example would be, and I don't know which one of these examples is better, but it'd be like, <laughs> it'd be like going into like a, to have like a simple surgery and somebody being like, you know, the death rate is really, really low on this surgery. You have nothing to worry about. And now all of a sudden, like this, the person getting the surgery is like, what? You know what I mean? Like there's death involved. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm getting the tooth pulled, you know what I mean? Or whatever it is, you know? And so I don't know. It's just because we know there's some trickery involved later on. For me, this particularly sticks out because while he's technically, <laughs> while he's technically true, very shortly we're going to learn that Jacob wasn't exactly, doesn't seem to be like loving his, his boss in this situation or his master, if you may. Anyways, Justin, what do you think? What do you think on that? Am I reading too much into that? No, I, I, I get you. I mean, look, look, like we've established, Laban is sketchy. And uh, I definitely think that Jacob is is trying to get get still get out of it what he can get out of it. Like Jacob wants to maximize or he wants to benefit from Laban. I mean, I, I don't him him and Laban don't don't trust each other, right? Like, I mean, I think that's clear, right? They're trying to like mutually benefit while take advantage of the other one while the other one doesn't see it, right? They're both trying to do that, right? Right? Yeah. They're both looking for a good deal. Yeah. It's like going and shopping for a car, right? The car dealer, the the, the car salesman is trying to get as much out of you as possible. Right. And you're trying to get the best deal possible, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which between family, right? Like, is that, is that, do you, do you have that same transaction with your family? Maybe between a father-in-law and a son. Yeah, maybe. No, I mean, it, that's not the way it should be. Right. <laughs> right. But I think when you're trying to extract as much value as possible from your friends and family, you're probably I don't, don't have the best relationship would be my guess. So, of course, now we also have to understand that Jacob already feels like he has a raw deal here. Right. Laban just tricked him into working for him for free. Not for free, but for two women for 14 years. Now, listen, Jake, it's Jacob's fault for the first seven years. But is it his fault for the second seven years? Mm, you know, he got tricked. <laughs> so it's just... <laughs> listen, I think Jacob is not happy about that. And he, he wants some retribution. And... Anyways, we haven't even got to the retribution <laughs> bar, which is coming shortly. Yeah. But I don't know. There seems that something doesn't seem right here. Okay. Verse 37. All right. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar, almond, and plain trees and peeled white stripes and strips in them, exposing the white that was in the rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks and the drinking troughs 
that is, in the watering channels where the flocks came to drink, and they mated when they came to drink. So the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks delivered striped, speckled, and spotted offering. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. And he put his own herds apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Moreover, whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the sight of the flock in the drinking troughs so that they would mate by the rods. But when the flock was sickly, he did not put them in. So the sickly were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. So the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Here it is, Henry. What, what just happened there? A lot of uh, interesting stuff. Um, first and foremost, this is the section where Jacob seems to be gaming the reproduction of these herds to his own benefit mm -hmm. in a very particular way in which he will be a big time winner and Laban will clearly be this, this to me seems like a zero sum game, I guess, where it's like if Jacob, Jacob's a winner, someone's got to be a, a more of the loser. And to me, the, the loser in this case is Laban. A couple things I read on this one is the all this mating by the rods and all that um, seems to be some type of superstitious belief that Jacob had in which more of the, more of the flocks would turn out speckled or striped if they mated by these rods. And according to the, the research that I did, this is just superstitious because this shouldn't have resulted in, in these animals being, having different colored furs, right? That's more of like a hereditary thing, not so much a, hey, did you, you know, drink water by these rods, okay? So that's number one. Now, I would say that that's not completely like 100% like we know for sure, okay? So that this could have resulted in that. But based upon the scientific information we have today, this seems to be Jacob being doing something somewhat superstitious. Now, what also seems to be the case is there's a second way that Jacob seemed to have increased the growth of his spotted... I'm sorry, speckled flot, or what's the term? Spotted and speckled? Striped and spotted. Striped, Striped spotted, spotted, and speckled. <laughs> okay, there's a, there's a mouthful for you. So the other way is he seems to use some type of separation technique between what he deemed to be Laban's flock and his flock. And... If you separate herds, there seems to be some benefit that could happen by him mating two uh, types of animals that, you know, resulted in a spotted, spotted or speckled animal as opposed to the other way around. So 
that does seem to be a successful strategy um, that could be could have been implemented based upon the science we have today. Bottom line is whatever Jacob did, it worked. And it worked to me based upon my reading at the detriment of Laban. Justin. Yeah, so we see here that uh, Jacob seems to be choosing the, the animals with the strong, stronger genetics to breed with each other um, so that in the long run, he would have the better herd but he, Jacob used the weaker animals for breeding in Laban's herd. Um, so <laughs> uh, right. Jacob is, is taking the advantage. Jacob has been conned by Laban for a long time, and now Jacob is, is kind of taking the advantage now. Um, and so, but at the end of the, the chapter, uh, we see, so the man, let's talk about Jacob, became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks and female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. This seems to be a connection uh, to God's promise for prosperity when Jacob was at Bethel. It's like the 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 it's like Moses is is telling us here. Hey, you know, God's um, God's promise at Bethel is is you're already seeing it coming true here. Right. And I think it's obvious to say that um, God. As you mentioned before, Justin, God blessed Jacob in spite of all of his trickery and deception, not because of it. And you never, you know, you never know what uh, you never know if Jacob would have potentially become more prosperous if he didn't go down this route. You never know. Um, and I think some scholars believe that he probably would have because God typically doesn't bless deception and uh, these types of act that doesn't typically is probably not the right word, but I don't think this is something that God was like, man, I'm really proud of Jacob <laughs> in this moment, really handed it to Laban, you know? Um, plus I think we also know, right. When God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it despite whether you make the wrong decision or whatever. I mean, he's going to make it happen. And you find that with, Abraham and Sarah, perfect example. God said, Abraham said, we're going to have a kid. They decided to go down their own route. Use Hagar. And then guess what? Abraham and Sarah had a kid, right? And so now we got only, two only, that, only they had more drama. Only they have more drama now. And the big and a lot of challenges, you know, that came from that. And so ultimately... The preferred route that Abraham, Sarah, for them would have been to trust in God and, and wait and not do this other way of accomplishing God's will through their own means. And so, yeah, anyways, it, it, it caused some problems. And I think, you know, that's super applicable to our lives, right? You know, how many how often are you wanting something now? And if you're patient, maybe you'll get it anyways, and you'll be able to do it the right way instead of the wrong way of doing it now, right? There's a billion examples of this, right? You know, pretty much a lot of, I think a lot of sinful activities is in large part due to people not having patience, you know, whether it be 
waiting for marriage to engage in sexual activity or you know wanting a good grade on a on a test and so you know you cheat instead of work really hard for that so you didn't really have the patience to work hard for that grade instead you just took the shortcut and you know wanted wanted that success quickly but yeah i think have more patience is in and more trust is definitely the preferred route and i think you'll ultimately be glad you did well said yeah so in this chapter we saw that there was this um striving between sisters there was this this rivalry and just jealousy right so we see that leah is jealous of rachel because jacob loves rachel and then Rachel is jealous of Leah because Leah is popping out all these kids. And so um, just kind of one of the things that biblically, you know, we should avoid jealousy and, and not focus on comparing ourselves to others and, and what they have that we don't. Um, like, obviously, that's a way of being ungrateful uh, toward God and, and having the expectation that he should have given us something that, that someone else has. Um, and instead we should just focus on good God, what God wants us to do, um, you know, through, through the plan that he has for our life. And, you know, the thing is that if we do that, God will be glorified through our lives, but not just that, if we go the biblical route, not only will it end up better, but in the moment I, it will feel better. I, I, you know, I don't think anyone feels good when they're struggling with jealousy and wanting to compare themselves to others constantly if they quit doing that they would feel better uh <laughs> immediately <laughs> and uh you could always have more i mean yep. you could always have one more thing you're always people people can be so discontent with their lives you could always have one more thing i mean something could always be better i think that is definitely a recipe for misery and the bible specifically says don't covet your yep. neighbor's stuff you know it's one of the ten commandments that's right so don't be jelly don't be a jelly jellyfish whatever you do cool well i think this uh kind of takes us to the end here um i'm looking forward to chapter 31 and hope to see everybody there. And yeah. That's it. Peace out. Peace out, everybody. Have a great and blessed day.